if you just ask the question that you know will be a yes, then you didn't ask for enough. Think about negotiations. If you just walk in and you ask for the thing that's a yes, what if you could have asked for a little bit more? If you're willing to hear no and you have the courage, the courage to hear, mm, no, I can't do that, then you're going to get closer to that precipice, closer to that equilibrium of what you're worth. You are listening to episode number five of the Insight and Empathy podcast with Leandra Creative Co. Photography. This week, I got to welcome Duncan Blunt to the Insight and Empathy podcast. Duncan is a serial entrepreneur, director at Uptown Indigo, a wedding and event venue in Shelby, North Carolina. He's a former ghostwriter and current marketing wizard with such an empathetic heart. We'll be chatting about how to build a brand that stands out, marketing strategies, how to gain influence, and how to successfully run your business and be a leader even as an empath. I'm going to stop talking so we can dive right into today's episode, Authenticity in Marketing, Why the Quirks Work with Duncan Blunt. Hey guys, you're listening to the Insight and Empathy podcast with Leandra Creative Co-Photography. I'm a goofy, connection-driven creative that left the world of video production to pursue photography full-time. If you're an entrepreneur dreaming of turning your passion into your full-time business, a creative professional, or you're just a boss babe looking to get a little bit more out of this extraordinary life, this podcast is for you. Each week, I'll be pulling back the curtain on how I'm building this business, mistakes I've made, and lessons I've learned all while leading with empathy. Strong relationships and real connections have always been so important to me in my life and my business, but it often gets overlooked while we're busy trying to build an empire. Not anymore. I'll be sharing live teachings, stories, and advice from some exceptional professionals in the creative industry. I'm your host, Leandra Caprini-Rasca. Let's dive on in. Hey, Duncan, welcome to the Insight and Empathy podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you today. You have so much insight on uh, the wedding industry and marketing. And um, our topic is authenticity and marketing and why the quirks work, which I think is so perfectly fitted for you. Um, I would love for you to just kind of give us a little spark notes about who you are, what you do, and how you got started in the wedding industry. My name is Duncan Blunt. I'm the director of Uptown Indigo. We're an event venue in Shelby, North Carolina, just west of Charlotte. We do live epic events mm. from weddings to rehearsal dinners, but also to fundraisers and you know, really fun concerts, things of that nature. We have a ballroom. We have a top floor executive lounge cocktail hour space called steeples and then we have a rooftop terrace it's actually the tallest rooftop terrace between charlotte and Asheville. beautiful mm. view and we make really magical memories happen how did i not know it was the tallest between here and Asheville? that's a, that's a great fact yeah you know sometimes you got to create facts out of nowhere <laughs> But make sure that they're true. And right. it is true. Right. Because no one's just going to come and say, you know, this is a cool thing about you. You got to find your cool things and then really market them. That's a great, if anyone's looking to put a quote on a pillow, take mm, that one. Yeah, I like that one. The tallest <laughs> rooftop. Cha, 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 cha. Yeah, I like the sound effects. Um, so you have been the director of Uptown Indigo for a while now. I know it's a family business, but how did you, what, what drew you to the wedding industry initially? I know, uh, there's a lot of moving parts. It's almost like a big production and you get to connect with a lot of great people, which you're so exceptional at. Um, what kind of got you into that in the first place? 
I always knew that I was going to start a company. But you know when you're in college and someone asks you, what do you want to be? I think I always said a lawyer because mm. I guess like all ambitious, driven, articulate, powerful, speaking white dudes who <laughs> want to change the world and they don't really know what they want to do. They always sure. say, oh, I want to go to law school. But I did a lot of research. Check out Law School Lemmings on Twitter if you're ever considering law school because you realize some pretty horrifying things. I ended up starting my first company at 22, and it's called Nabu Scholar. I still have Nabu LLC, but I decided to stop that side of the business because it was not very profitable. I wrote autobiographies, and I did that for mm. three years. I actually traveled the country and helped people write their life story, and I interviewed them a lot like what you're doing, I, but it was 10-hour-long interviews, oh, so it took gosh. a full weekend. I mean, it was intense. Learned That's about huge. people's lives, took those recordings, turned them into full-length books. It was pretty incredible. And I thought it was going to really disrupt the way that we saved history for our families. Mm. Unfortunately, it's hard to sell because everyone wants to have a big epic thing now. And by the time someone is gone, like your grandparents, ah. it's just too late. And it's hard to sell that. And I found that I still create stories, but I create them through moments, through yeah. charisma, through planning through events and I'm still a storyteller but it's with my brand more than anything else yeah wow I, as you were talking I was like this is exactly what he does today you know having mm -hmm. seen you work and um you know being a vendor at Uptown Indigo and having mm -hmm. photographed with you at at the space it's so clear that you know you are a storyteller at heart but that's so interesting to hear that you know, that kind of evolved for you. And you are such a serial entrepreneur. I think yeah. that's a, you know, a word thrown around today almost negatively, but you just said thank you and it should be taken as a compliment. Yeah. I mean, it's really- oh, for sure. I have a dream. My dream is to own multiple businesses. And yeah. by the time I'm 40, I'd like to have such a good leadership ability that I mm. have managers run my businesses. And Uptown Indigo, in, in my heart and in my mind, sometimes I say, oh, like, I, I can never give this up because I've I have a certain way that the processes need to be, but I think a good leader can say, yeah. here's how to train the right people and put them in the right seats. Yes. And a, and a good business can run without the entrepreneur that started it. And I think one day that's what Uptown Indigo will be. For now, it is a family business. Our family purchased the historic Campbell building in 2015, and we turned this old abandoned building into a mm. magical industrial chic venue. And now we get to share it with the world. And that, that takes a lot of marketing. And that's where my gift lies as an entrepreneur. I'm a creative marketer. And in this point in my life, I'm the integrator. I'm the one that's making the business move forward. Mm. But at my heart, I think I'm a creative visionary. And that's what I love to do. Yeah, definitely visionary is a great way to describe you. And I think you touched on this a little, and I don't want to pivot too much, but that leadership ability that you have, and I think that you've been cultivating over the past you know, couple of years, and even since your first business, um, is so apparent in the way that you work. And I think having that kind of um, confidence and uniqueness about your personality gives you this leg up to not only market yourself, but be able to connect with so many people from so many walks of life. Um, I'd love to kind of roll into uh, the topic of the episode a little bit and talk about how your quirks make you stand out as a marketer, as a boss, as a leader, um, and as an entrepreneur. How do you how do you mold that into your business and your day to day life? So important when you have a brand to know two things: what makes you different and special, 
and who your exact target market is. Mm. When you know those two things, it's kind of like a Venn diagram. Your target market, and I, I know who she is. She's a bride. We love couples, but ideally we have a bride who has a vision for her wedding day. She's 29. She's a leader in Charlotte. She has a very busy job. She has a big dog. She has an iPhone. I've created in my mind our exact target market. Mm. For me, it's helpful in overlapping who I really am and who I want to be. So for example, my target market, they love cocktails. Mm. I don't mind having a cocktail in my marketing videos because that's something that my target market shares as a value. That's right. And I don't mind having a really messy head of hair, which is kind of my brand. (laughs) It is very on brand for Duncan. Check out my my Instagram (laughs) and my, my pages, any of my photos. I have a messy head of hair. And to baby boomers that might say, oh, unprofessional or Mm. oh, unorganized. But in reality, it means playful and fun and confident and trustworthy. And oh, he's himself. And I am myself. This isn't a brand thing that I made up. It is who I am, but it overlaps. There are parts of who I am that I don't share to that target market. And so you have to make the decision of what's the overlap in the Venn diagram and exploit that to make it fun, to make mm. it either entertaining or educational. And that's what I do is I take the things that make us different and I emphasize them. Small businesses, so a lot of your listeners, right? So how do you say it? Solopreneurs, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, solopreneurs. They, they have the gift to be able to decide to be themselves. A lot of large businesses, unless you have a, a leader who wants to be out front, mm. you don't have that. You're work might be that we treat our employees like family and we're family here, right? So that, that might be your quirk. But for me, quirks are very visual, very experiential, right? But every business has their quirks and they need to use that in their marketing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And a lot of times we, I think, get caught up in being this, you know, either business owner or um, especially in small businesses, we want to put on this front of, you know, being professional and all that's mm-hmm. great. But I do think our world and especially um, the service-based industries are moving toward a place of really respecting and honoring authenticity in brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not showing who you are, I think you're, like, to put it very sim- simply, if you're not showing who you are, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you do a really exceptional job of that, um, of letting your your personality shine through in a professional way. Like you said, it's that, it's that balance. Mm-hmm. It creates um, trust. Yes. It, it creates this interest this is a real person this isn't right. a you know how sometimes when you watch videos on instagram some videos are very obviously taken on their iphone yeah. and it's playful and other times they're very well edited like mm. commercials for a big company and you know in the first three seconds wow this is a 600 dollars video and sometimes i think it's off-putting right are they about to sell to me are they about to try to make me buy something ah. when you can be humble and yourself and like you're two citizens meeting rather than a business to consumer. You know what I right. mean? It's just two humans. It's people. Yeah. I think we're definitely moving toward a space of people to people rather than B2B or like business to business. Um, just because of that craving that, that people that are looking for services and looking to spend money on things, especially in the wedding industry, mm-hmm. um, to, to be craving that, that, you know, human to human connection, which is kind of what I try to do in my business as well. And, and, you know, making that kind of experience for my client rather than just mm-hmm. let me take your money and get out yeah. the door and keep going. And, and it comes at a sacrifice. If yeah. you think about it, there aren't as many people who are going to reach out to you if you're not marketing to them. And I don't market to certain couples. Right. I just, I mean, I, 
I love to market to a certain kind because I know that's the sweet spot. And sometimes empathetic people, we say, oh, well, I want to be able to make everyone happy. And that's mm. a dangerous thing because you might get the wrong client. And many of you listening, you, me, we've had bad clients and there's no <laughs> shame in saying that. No. And there's no shame in saying, mm, I don't want to work with them. Yeah. And so I'm not going to market to them, just period. And I think, oh my gosh, I have so many good, I have so many questions for you. Um, I have two things in my brain that I don't want to lose, but one is I think, so I've heard so many people say niches to riches, right? Mm. And niching down can be really scary, especially for an entrepreneur, because I think the first thing I thought when someone advised me uh, to start being more focused on one primary group of people, I initially started my business, you know, doing branding photography. And recently I've moved more into the space of elopements and weddings. Mm -hmm. And so in that initial phase of thinking about, oh gosh, do I want to really close my doors to any sort of branding clients? Because that's where mm -hmm. I got my start. I think I was my heart was connected to that. That's that's how I began. Um, but but since uh, removing some of my marketing to that uh, persona, like you said, creating creating this like ideal almost client avatar, mm, um, yeah. really helps speak direct. Like think about if you were driving on the side of a road. This is a weird example, but if you saw a sign and you were a forty three year old woman who had just moved from Arizona to. Charlotte, North Carolina, and the billboard said, calling all 43-year-old <laughs> Americans that have just moved from, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that would feel, it, it would speak to you on another level than it would if it just said, are you a woman suffering from bloating? <laughs> I don't know what this ad is, but you know what I mean, guys. <laughs> That's an expensive billboard. <laughs> uh, hey, my next life I'll make billboards. Yeah. Um, but I think that ability to call to a certain group of people and not necessarily, you know, turn your back to other clients, but to be able to say like, this is who I'm serving and I'm serving them really well. Mm. Um, it's super important and you do a great job of that. And I, there's a crazy video for oh your gosh. listeners and for you to check out. It's called uh, the red dot versus green dot. Yes. And it talks about pivoting. Yes. And that's why we do need to start wide is not mm. only to be able to practice a wide variety, which you yep. learn more, but also to find out what you like and what you don't like what you don't like and what makes you money and where the overlap is there what makes you money and you like and then boom <gasps> there's the I sweet know, spot there's the magic I, I know that sweet spot and so now i get to pivot intentionally mm. so in the beginning you've got to pivot so many businesses fail i think 95 percent of small businesses fail within the first five years yep. that's buck wild the reason is folks start businesses that they just want to have they just want right. to make they are businesses that were for fun. There's no and, intention behind them. And there was no willingness to pivot. Mm. You can start a business all day long based off of just like, oh, here's an idea. And I, I think that's kind of what our family did, which was dangerous. I'm about, all about business plan. I made a business plan for our family very, 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 very different than what it was that we're doing now. And it's okay. But we were willing to pivot right. towards weddings, willing to pivot towards a high-end clientele in a way that is so organic and so difficult for many people that it became successful for us. Mm, yeah. And I think that's crucial too, because like you said, a lot of people get stuck in that initial phase of mm -hmm. not being willing to mm -hmm. go another route. Yeah, but when this you is can... what I like, this is what I want to do. It's like, well, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> there might be other things that you like, and that might be able to make you more money. It might right. be able to keep your business afloat. 
Yeah, no, that's huge. I'd, I'd love to circle back to something you said initially when we started on this topic that um, you have really created this ideal client avatar. Mm-hmm. She is she's a woman. She is a certain age. Mm-hmm. She shops at a certain place and dresses a certain, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think, can you talk a little bit about how you created that or even why you created yeah. that? Because I think a lot of sure. times small businesses um, don't know where to start when, when someone says, at least for me, I didn't, when someone said, you should create a client avatar. I had no idea what that meant. I follow Mitch Hopper, who is an entrepreneur from Australia. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant entrepreneur. He said, your marketing persona will change, but you should always have it in front of you. So I actually printed mine off. It's a single page. It has her interests. It has her goals. It has her challenges. Mm. And they're actually bullet pointed out. It's, it's really nice. That's a great idea. And have it just right in front of your desk or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have it. It's called Indigoals. Of Indigo, course it Indigoals. <laughs> and it's actually got financial goals. One of our measurables is Facebook reach per month. So you can actually mm. click a button for average daily reach within a month. We have a goal. So we have measurables on our Indigoals. And on the side of the Indigoals is this marketing persona, and her name's Marketing Mary. And what a gal. <laughs> here's the trick to finding your right one. You're going to have one when you first start off. Let's say you don't have any clients. Then it's just theoretical. But we've had so many couples. We've had hundreds of couples at this point. We chose our favorites. Mm. And we looked at that information and saw what the consistency was. Interestingly enough, they're not 22-year-olds. Like a lot of people assume a wedding couple is they're actually a little bit more in their career they've got a little bit more money they're they're 29 they're professionals they have a very specific um, growth that they've experienced and quite frankly i want to work with a 29 year old over a 22 year old because they're more mature there are things that we like so you think about your past clients think about your top 10 top 20 and then look at them with data that can be lined up in a spreadsheet based off of what I'd recommend is things you could put into Facebook. So demographics, Mm. interests, and then think about their challenges and do a survey of those. I actually invited, get this, I invited those couples back for an open house and gave a VIP hour before we opened it up to, you know, other couples that wanted to come in. And at that VIP hour, I gave a survey and I had in my mind the couples that I was very, very conscious of, like, I'm ready to get that answer from that couple. Mm. And that's how I created the marketing persona, Marketing Mary. And this is all inspired from all these other entrepreneurs. Look, if you're an entrepreneur out there, steal ideas. Quit reinventing the wheel. Steal ideas. It's still creativity, okay? Don't be scared. You're going to twist it a little bit and make it your Mm. own. Steal ideas because I stole all that. Yeah, and I think we're so conscious of like, oh gosh, we can't steal, we can't plagiarize, which yes, of course, never steal anyone's work. But I think what you're saying is so on point that like there's so much great everything Mm -hmm. you need to know is on the internet right now that's Mm -hmm. the truth yeah um it's just how you implement it and how you um you know use it in in your own business so i think that's a great point having that um that persona is is has been clearly really really helpful for you guys so i would encourage everyone to if you don't already have one um make one jot down notes i met with a couple of my clients just to interview them like what duncan said um and i think that's super helpful to kind of pick their brain figure Mm -hmm. out how you can solve their problems that is that's what you're ultimately trying to get to right is um what what is on their heart and mind when they go to bed at night? What are their challenges? What are, you know, how can you solve those problems for them? And I think if you can um, answer that 
then in a service-based industry, you'll be golden. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Duncan, is the most, oh, this is a huge question, but I'm excited to hear your answer. What do you think is the most important skill for an entrepreneur to master in today's world? Asking harder questions. Mm. If you just ask the question that you know will be a yes, then you didn't ask for enough. Think about negotiations. If you just walk in and you ask for the thing that's a yes, what if you could have asked for a little bit more? If you're willing to hear no and you have the courage, the courage to hear, "Mm, no, I can't do that, then you're going to get closer to that precipice, closer to that equilibrium of what you're worth. And I want to practice that. I want to practice asking for more. And in the beginning, that might be with networking, right? Can I have coffee with you, Mr. Millionaire? Can I get on your preferred list, Mr. Hard to get on your list? It's okay to ask for things that might be a no, but it's kind of a self-esteem issue, I believe, and and a privilege issue, unfortunately, too. So I I think you just got to ask for more. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great answer. I love that. Uh, what's, what's one of the biggest challenges that you've faced in being an entrepreneur in the past couple of years? What's, what's something that you've overcome that you, you'd love people to, um, have a little bit of knowledge about to get on the other side of. Write your processes down and Mm. look at your processes from a really big picture, looking down perspective and be willing to change your processes. Sometimes we get so into the work that we think this is the best way to do it and we're scared of change. And as a young entrepreneur, I'm, I'm 28, I think I'm supposed to be willing to you know, try this new app and try this new mm. software and try all these things. But I, I see it in myself. I'm like, mm, no, I don't, I, don't like, I don't like that. That's gonna have to make me load in data and I don't wanna do that. Or <laughs> like you get into a, a routine And routines can be super powerful modes of discipline, or they can be really difficult obstacles when you need to change and pivot your processes. And I think that's one of the most helpful things you can do is be willing to become more efficient by changing. Yeah, I think that's, that's a huge thing, um, just to be conscious of even for life. I think we're we're programmed to be scared of change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even just as people and having moved a couple of times in the past year and, you know, having, you know, whatever personal experiences that we come into relationships and business and work with, um, I think we're kind of ingrained to feel hesitant toward change. But if you can open up that, um, you know, the idea that change can bring, you know, so much growth, so many new ideas, so much new insight um, that to embrace that, I think, really can propel us forward more than anything sometimes. So that's a great point. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk me through a little bit about some of your ideas about what might be. So if someone is still in the side hustle phase of their life, if they're running a business on the side and still working at a big corporate job, or if they're you know, looking to turn their side hustle into their full-time gig, what could you, what advice could you give for someone um, in that, in that season of life? I think I've got a couple ideas for you. One, have a nice big savings account. (laughs) 
capital is king and we can pretend all day that like if i grind and work hard that i can make it I'll never sleep <laughs> yeah. but that's kind of unrealistic and you just can't compete in right. certain fields unless you have a big marketing budget but also you need time for traction to hit so that you're able to get referrals mm. this is our second year of business and we're starting to get pretty awesome referrals but unless we had made it to you to two years with the capital that our family was able to have then it wouldn't have been possible so don't be super fast to quit your job because data shows us that the majority of successful businesses had a founder who was in a full-time position for at least one year during that company's infancy it's okay to have it as a side hustle. So don't beat yourself up because you're not doing it full time. And secondly, I think we need to do a lot of thinking about who your friends are and who your network is. Mm. If you have friends that just kind of want to sit and watch TV, that's good. That, that is great. I get that. But it's lonely when you quit your job and you go full time into entrepreneurship especially if it's just you. That's why there's so many co-founders. You kind of need a co-founder who, let's say you have great discipline. We were talking about discipline yeah. earlier with the routine. Let's say you have a great discipline. You can still get down on yourself unless you have someone there to encourage you. Oftentimes we don't have co-founders and that's fine. But if you have a friend who's a business friend, I know business people are boring for all you creatives out there and all of the folks out there who love to birth ideas and, and kind of be visionaries, but whenever you surround yourself with very practical people, they hold you accountable in mm. a way that you need. You need accountability and put yourself into new friend groups. And that's hard, but a lot of people in my life don't want to hear me talk about KPIs, key performance indicators. They don't want to hear me talk about the growth of the business. And that hurts my feelings a little bit. I'm proud of the growth of this business. This business is a part of my life. It's a part of my legacy. It's a part of my family. Have friends who want to ask you how the business is doing. That's totally fine. I and mean, I think it's really important. So that accountability is huge. I think I had something else I wanted to say. Find the influencers in the community that are power players and be willing to make that a part of your transition into your, your side business, right? Like it's kind of like setting the, the groundwork and planting the seeds so that by the time that you stop your full-time job yeah. and you dive full-time, which is going to be exhausting, it's going to be depressing at times, but if you have those right friends and the right influential community members, then suddenly you're going to be given leadership opportunities and boards and nonprofits. That's my biggest piece of advice to people recently leaving college. Go to city council meetings. They're free. And everyone there is usually very, very successful because they're trying to make an impact and they have successful local businesses. Go to city council meetings, mm. join nonprofit boards. I'm on three boards and the people on those boards are so incredible. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Not only are they brilliant and wanting to help, but they're thankful for me for being yeah. a young person who offers ideas and marketing advice on the board. They're successful, financially successful, and they have a network. And yeah, wisdom. You, the, yeah. the wisdom and the willingness to provide referrals. Mm. You can't do this all online. I know there's some nerdy people who will say things like, oh, I get all my leads through this funnel. Check it out. Like, here's my, here's my Facebook funnel. Like, that's fine and great. 
But the majority of businesses, you need local based. referrals and yeah. you need powerful, influential people with a budget. Get on the boards. Huge piece of advice. I love that, Duncan. And I think a, a common thread between those three brilliant answers was community. Um, being able to create that community has been so incredibly helpful for me in my business. And I would recommend you know, anyone just starting out or, or leaving a job. And, and like you said, I think staying in, you know, your full-time job to, to kind of gain that capital. That's how I started mine. Um, that's how I know a lot of, you know, my business friends have started theirs. And I think that's, there's no rush to jump into something that you're not ready for, but also waiting for it to be perfect is never going to happen. Um, so there'll never be a right, there'll never be a perfect time to make that jump. But if it's been knocking on your heart, I think taking those moments to intentionally say, is this something that is possible for me right now in my life? Can I make this happen? Can I, and like what you said about the two year mark, I think being able to um, get to that two year and say, you know, we were able to make it here because of how we started and now the referrals are coming in and and that's just, that's just such a beautiful thing, I think. Um, so I, I really appreciate that answer. I think at the end of the day, a lot of it does rely on community and the people. I think I read somewhere that you are the sum of the five people that you surround yourself with most, mm -hmm. which I agree and kind of disagree with. Like you are your own person. Yes, of course. But um, your connections are just so powerful and, and your community is, is so incredibly helpful, especially when owning a business can get lonely sometimes. It can. Whenever I stopped working as a gift officer, I went to Berea College which has a $1.2 billion endowment. Every single student gets mm. a full ride. So I got a full ride. And it's, it's crazy. So it has crazy money, but it comes from great donors. Mm. And I became a gift officer. So I actually traveled the country before Naboo asking for donations, which was great for my asking thing, remember? Yeah, that really leveled up your... <laughs> yeah. So asking for money is hard, but there's a right way to do it. And you learn that in development, which is what, what gift officer work is called. And I remember that when I transitioned, it was tough. I kind of think I needed to have a better plan before I quit that job. Because when you've got a full day to work on your mm. business, it can all be overwhelming. You tell yourself things like, oh, I, I should write another blog. Well, sitting down and writing a blog, that's going to take three or four hours. Yeah. It, it just is. I need to work on my SEO. That's, well, it's, see, where do you start? Yeah, yeah. It's so theoretical and high up in the sky. But if you have a checklist, if you have a long Trello priority list of things to do and you segment them into like marketing, and, um, you know, for us, it's like events. But if you have really specific goals, you're able to dive in right when you get that full first full day and stay busy because it's kind of hard to stay busy when it can be depressing. And I was very lonely. It was, it was a lonely job. Yeah, I think that's great advice too. And I've heard a lot of people say that um, the more specific that you can get in your to-do list, because I'm a total to-do list freak. If you know me, I've got mm -hmm. notebooks and, you know, I used to use Trello as well. Now I use Notion because Trello crashed on me and bad blood. It's bad fun. Blood, bad blood. <laughs> but anyways, I, I love systems. I love being able to take notes and have, um, you know, a great planner that I love. And But that's only as good as the how specific you're supposed to get, right? So if you're... Um, a lot of things, like you say, can be so general and then it can be, it can feel like you're drowning in this uh, to-do list that just, at least for me, sometimes has a tendency to give me more anxiety. So the more specific I can get with my tasks mm -hmm. um, and the more I can block out time appropriately, which I'm still learning 
uh, getting better at um, is, is definitely something that I think will help keep you on track, move you forward to, to owning that business of your dreams. Um, so what do you, oh my gosh, I, you've given so much great insight, Duncan. I'm like, I wish you, my hands are like the Italian in me is like, my brain is going a million miles an hour. And my hands are just going faster if you could see me. But, um, so I know knowing you personally, I know that you are constantly, uh, learning new things and gaining new information and talking to new people and networking and doing all the things. And I think our world has kind of fostered an environment where we support the high speed life. And there's so much great things that can come of that, but I think it can also lead to burning the candle at both ends. How have you learned to combat stress and overwhelm in this constantly go, go, go world? Can you give any insight on that? And what's your favorite way to chill out? Combating stress. We live in a broken capitalist patriarchy and there's no denying that you're not if, wrong if you're going to play this game then you've got to accept some really difficult problematic issues one of them being that you're going to be working a lot and additionally that wealth is controlled by a very small amount of people and that's why i mentioned influencers earlier so you you need to meet the right people first of all if you're going to pretend that your work will actually have a difference it's not going to happen in a void. You have to meet the right people. And a lot of people would disagree with that. I think that's just the, the broken system we live in. Go mm -hmm. meet powerful people. Secondly, I think that you need to learn to say no. So if you say yes to everything, which a lot of empaths do because they don't want to hurt feelings and they don't want to be responsible for broken promises or anything like that, they just automatically say yes. The more you say yes to, the more stressed you're going to be get used to saying no, get used to hurting feelings. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard, but you can say, I don't have time for that. I'm so sorry, but let's get back to it later. It's okay to say no. There's a way to be kind. Yeah. And I think that, I think people start to respect that. If you can, if you can respect your own time, I think that'll lend mm -hmm. others to do the same. But it's exponential too. Right. If you start to say no here, then let's assume 2% of the population are narcissists and when you meet one, they'll try to take advantage of you. I think it's fair to say that the more you say no, the better you are at defending mm. yourself against exploitative personality types, especially as a creative, especially as an empath, which is what this show's all about. People can ask for more than what's fair. Right. And the more you say yes, and the less you defend yourself, the more they'll ask for. You have to be careful. Everyone deserves to receive empathy, but few deserve to be excused just because we can explain their unjust actions. Meaning you need to be careful with who you say yes to, mm. which goes back to that marketing persona. Don't say yes to everyone. Don't right. try to make everyone happy because you will be abused if you start down that road. Wow. Yeah, that's, oh, wow, that's good. And I think, and I so appreciate you touching on the, the empathy side of things because I think that, at least for me, has been challenging in a way to say, to learn how to say no to people, especially when I have this tendency to want to serve everyone and to, to want to, um, you know, contribute and, and be a part of everything that I'm asked to do and, and really give 110%. But 
being an empath, and, and I'm sure other people can relate to this, it gets really exhausting when you're constantly taking in all that energy. Mm-hmm. And especially as a business owner and an empath, I think that that can that can be really hard on your emotional stability, on your exhaustion levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think putting those systems in place, you know, to only say yes to really, really only say yes to what you want to say yes to, um, it is super crucial to, to kind of managing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So think about contracts. Mm. Sometimes we think about contracts and we say, oh, like that's, that's just to keep us from, you know, getting sued. Like contracts are the opportunity to set expectations to prevent right. people from asking for more. That's the problem is I had a, a bride text me today and she said, um, can you find a way to slow down the ceremony music for when I walk down? And it's part of me wanted, wanted to say, yeah, I can figure that out. I can like go to a program and then sure. upload it to Google Play and then download that onto Sonos and then upload that to a new playlist. Give it to the DJ, make all this yeah, happen. But but then I was like, that that's not in my that's job description. Job. And I, I can't overwhelm myself. I have, I have a, a tour to give. You know what I mean? You have to use the contract to protect yourself mm. and to set good expectations because it does exactly what you're saying. A good contract and a good conversation about the contract protects you to prevent that problem from ever happening. Yeah. And I think that ability to manage expectations is huge in leadership mm, and owning totally. a business. It's uh, yeah, that's definitely necessary. And like you said, I think the conversation part of it really comes hand, goes hand in hand with the contract. The contract can say anything you want it to say, but let's be honest, everyone that we want to read our contract isn't going to read it. <laughs> that's just kind of the, the way of the game. But I do think it's so important if you've got things in your contract that are going to help you manage expectations and have a better experience with your client and then with you have that hard conversation after you send it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not fun, but it will save you time and energy in the long run. Protect yourself. Yeah, and, for sure. And the chill out thing. You asked me about what do I do to chill yes, out? Yes. Give us all the chill out methods. Chill out. <laughs> I follow this page on Instagram called Founder, F-O-U-N-D-R, again, on Australian group. Those Australians are Duncan great Duncan likes the Australians. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think that's Australian. I don't think I can do it. Can you do an Australian <laughs> I'm accent? not going to try. Please give no, us your best No, 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 no. No. So, Connor um, would be disappointed. Meat pie. No. I, all right. So here's <laughs> what I'm thinking. This founder page had an awesome, awesome meme image, and it talked about hobbies, and they said you should have one hobby that makes money, which for you guys will be one day your business, or maybe it already is, but you should also have a hobby that is fulfilling to only you. Mm. You should have a hobby for your health. You should have a hobby for these different elements and spheres of your life. And it made me realize that some things that I didn't realize were a hobby are a hobby and that you can grow that hobby. You can invest in that hobby. One of mine is pottery. I could make money from my pottery, but I choose not to. I choose to keep it as a gift. I choose to keep it as a way to represent myself and to release my artistic. To, to, yeah, I think I have an eye for design with ceramics because I was a ceramics apprentice for three years and it was important for me, lines and color and the way that a cup sits on a, on a table, the way that um, many people will hold their mug out with their elbow out or they'll cuddle their cup in like whenever you're in the morning with coffee. I love those things because it's an experience. And you know, I'm an experiential professional. Mm. I love pottery and I've actually recently started giving a piece of pottery to every single couple that books. And so it's a surprise. And you know, if it's a shot glass, you boys going to pour a shot too. 
but I, I'll create a piece of pottery and it's a hobby and it's a very meditative, personal mm. experience. It's, it's by myself. I'm a extroverted person. I'm out there. I'm talking. I'm, I love giving speeches. I'm a Toastmaster, but pottery, you got to be looking down by yourself, creating something. Right. And it's a very peaceful thing. And so you got to find something that fulfills other sides of yourself. Yeah, that's really, I think that's um, a great thing to think about, especially if you are an extrovert, like both Duncan and I are, I think, (laughs) is to have that kind of, you know, that hobby that lets you look inward and and be with yourself. I think I've kind of um, ruled out alone time as something that I don't like or need, but that's just not true. Um, I do love being around people. I feel most alive when I'm connected and and with others, but um, to have a hobby like that where you can just kind of of get back to your roots is really important. Mm -hmm. So I know and love your family. And I think that for a lot of people listening, they may also have Um, new families or a partner, how would you suggest managing, this has been a really big challenge for me, um, you know, just in starting my business and and managing uh, my time, but what would you recommend to people that are either growing their family or have a partner that want to make sure that they are prioritizing the right things in the right places? Mm. It's okay to mess up sometimes. Mm. Sometimes it's not the fact that we didn't give to our family person. It's the fact that we feel so mad at ourselves, so guilty because we think that we're bad at one sphere. You make a choice and no matter your choice, there's going to be consequences. So own your choice. If you decide to stay late at work, own that consequence. If you decide to skip a tour, if you decide to skip a booking, to skip whatever your business is so you can be with your family, own that consequence. The feeling of guilt is the problem. Own your choice and know that this is a journey. And every moment there's going to be a sacrifice. Choose yeah. the right sacrifice for you and own it. Yeah, that that's really great. I think um, I think that gets that gets tricky sometimes. But being able to say like, look, this is a choice I've I've made for this, and and I think preventing that guilt hangover, I like to call mm. it, is. Um, is really powerful and manage it like kind of what we said before in business, but I think this can apply to your family and friends too. managing the expectations of, Hey, I'm going to be at work late, or this is my day that I need to dedicate. Yeah. And communicating that saves a lot of, um, a lot of heartbreak, I think. Mm -hmm. So you have given us so much amazing insight and knowledge and just like so many great tips today. I feel like we could chat and have crazy conversations for hours, but I want, you know, to give people their life back a little at some point. (laughs) Um, I would love to have you share just one or two tips with the listeners about up-leveling their career. We've talked about so much from marketing to uh, managing your your family life and work life. Could you just give the listeners maybe one or two tips um, about Mm. up-leveling their career? What would that be? Well, I've given so much high in the sky, like meet influential people, bullcrap. I'm going to give you like a really detailed tip. If you're on LinkedIn, you know that there are skills and endorsements. Whenever you connect with someone new, here's a tip. Ask for them to endorse you and you'll endorse them back. I have hundreds of endorsements on LinkedIn and it's pretty impressive. And one day my ultimate goal 
is to be a public speaker and be paid for mm. speaking to crowds about marketing. Maybe it's wedding marketing. Maybe it's a private practice, medical marketing, which is something I'm very interested in. I believe that your endorsements on LinkedIn and your profile on LinkedIn actually say a lot about you whenever you have clients that are creeping on you and which is totally fair. They need to do some creeping on you before they trust you and before they pay you. Ask for people to endorse you. It's pretty awesome. And it speaks to that theme that I've had today of asking for more. Mm. Ask your friends to endorse you. It's free. It takes 20 seconds. It's a great tool. Yeah. yeah. So that's a little piece of advice for you. Ask for more and ask for endorsements. I love that. And it, we shouldn't be afraid to ask. I think so, so many times I hear people saying, oh, I don't ask anyone for help. I don't ask for this or that. It is so okay to ask. There is so much that I don't know. And I'm sure, Duncan, you can attest to this too, that we're always learning every day. And if we don't ask, there's no way to um, level up our business or our personal lives. And I think, you know, having that ability and the courage to ask is so important. Mm -hmm. um, so what is next for Duncan Blunt and Uptown Indigo? If you want to roll them into one, you can yeah, so or separate them. <laughs> if any of your listeners are interested, Uptown Indigo, we do have an Instagram account. It's Uptown Indigo Shelby and my personal account. And I do videos on business advice, personal advice, being an entrepreneur, and being a creative, so very similar to, to what you do. Um, my page is Duncan.Blunt, and so that's on Instagram. I'd say for the next three years, I'm probably going to be working with Uptown Indigo and leveling up our business, both in the scale of the weddings, and the quality of the weddings, and the number of just raw events that we have. And then I'd like to be a public speaker. I'd like to have staff to take more of the load off of me because I do everything right now and mm -hmm. this can be very overwhelming. And I have to step back at some point and trust employees and train employees and encourage employees. And that's going to be my next step is hiring the right person and encouraging that person to, to love what they do and to get better at it. I love that. That's so powerful. So I would love to do, I keep saying so. Why do I keep so, saying so? Well, you know you're I in the that. presence of a Toastmaster, so I've been counting you. Know, oh my gosh. Yes. Duncan does give the best toast. It's kind of annoying. I, I've said ums. <laughs> I think I've said four ums during this. Four? Like, during the whole thing? Yeah. That's killer. Well, it frustrates me because I don't like Right. Um. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would love to do a lightning round with you, Duncan. You've got the perfect personality <laughs> for a lightning round. I'm so curious what this skirt skirt gonna, is going to sound like I'm when I have to edit this. Close my eyes. Close my okay. eyes. I'm going to lean back and I'm going to just let you fire them off and I'm going to fire them off back at you. All right, let's do it. Not too far back because we still want the listeners to be able to hear you. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll lean up to the mic. Okay. So lightning round. You're the first guest I've ever done a lightning round with and I am so excited. Let's hit it. Hit me. Morning or night owl? Morning. We finish the interview and you step outside, find a lottery ticket that ends up being a winning $10 million. What would you do? Start an LLC and sell the ticket to the LLC and then create a tax haven and then be able to really give as much as I can to nonprofits. Alrighty then. Uh, what's your favorite 90s jam? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so glad hard. we're recording this. 90s jam. What a good question. Come on, Duncan. This lightning oh, round. We're going to the next one. What's the strawberry song? What? I don't know the titles of these Just songs. Sing it. If you don't know the title, sing it. No, it's I love you always, forever, near and far. All right, that accepts. Okay, we all accept. What was the last gift you gave someone? 
got to be pottery. Come on, right? I did give pottery for one of the. You keep looking at the other oh, sorry, one. Sorry, Stop. I, he's I, looking. I, I he's looking look, at the can't other. Can't look at the screen. I'm <laughs> I'm cheating. No, yeah, I I love to give pottery, and I'm actually brought a gift for you today. That's pottery Stop. too. So for your soap. Oh, you're the best. Uh, texting or talking? Talking, unless I know that the person would rather text because they're busy or it makes them uncomfortable. He's very mindful. Favorite day of the week? Thursday. Favorite city in the U.S. besides Shelby, North Carolina, which is where they live? Hmm. Allerton, Iowa. Interesting. Family from there? Family. Aw, sweet. Fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is? Beautiful person. Aw. Invisibility or super strength? Super strength. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? No. Boom. First lightning round done. <laughs> Duncan, thank wow, you. Those are tough. I know, you stumbled. He's great at this stumble. kind of stuff. Yeah. We got to think of that song. What's the, What do you mean by the strawberry song? Well, there's another song I like from that same era. And sometimes uh, I get them confused. Uh, uh, that was the one that was in my head. Anyway, if anyone can think of the song that Duncan's oh talking about, uh, you know, comment uh, on my Instagram <laughs> post with Duncan in it. That'll be out next week. Oh, um, and let us know what song you think he was talking about. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, Duncan, thank you so, so much for being here. You are a true light and such a mentor to me. And just such a wonderful person all around. You've got such great, uh, such a great mind and, and you're just so connected. And I love that about you. So thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. And I love to collaborate with you. And thank you so much for having me.